We're going to continue on in our uh, just kind of reading and listening to the story of the Acts of the Messengers this morning, listening to the Holy Spirit. We're in Acts chapter 8. We're still with Philip. As we travel through uh, Acts, there just there seems to be a cameo of different individuals, and, and different individuals are emphasized at a, a certain time. We're, we're kind of stuck on Philip in chapter 8. And Philip, uh, his ministry was mainly uh, in Samaria, though he started in ministry as one of the deacons, like Stephen in Jerusalem, that was caring for the widows. So he was doing that. Then when the persecution came at Stephen's stoning, Philip and the thousands of others that were then following Jesus moved out into Samaria. And he went to some city in Samaria, don't know what city that was. And when he was in that city, uh, the, what, what we learned last week is that as he announced the resurrection of Jesus and he announced the kingdom being near, that the Samaritans accepted the word of God. And the word of God at this time in church history, the word of God is the word of Jesus. It's, it's, it's focused totally on Jesus. And so he's telling the story of Jesus. I think he's emphasizing resurrection and kingdom. And so the Samaritans accept. That's belief. They accept. And then they're baptized in the name of Jesus. Um, they're, they're identifying with the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And then they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And in this case, they receive the Holy Spirit when Peter and John are invited to come up to Samaria from Jerusalem to lay their hands on them. Now, now that may be like, that may be like, that's really, that's kind of interesting. Why did they have to do that? And what I'd like to remind us of is that the Samaritans were considered outcasts. The Samaritans were not connected to Judea in the south and Galilee in the north. They were the stepkids of kind of Judaism. The Samaritans were a race of people that were inbred, Jews inbred with Assyrians. And so Samaria became this outcast population. And so the devout Jew, if they lived in Galilee, in the pilgrimage feasts, they would go to the Jordan River and they'd go around Samaria to get down to Jerusalem. They would not go through Samaria bad territory, don't go there. Interestingly, Jesus did. It tells you a lot about his message of breaking down the walls. And that's why I think that it was important for Peter and John from Jerusalem to come lay hands, come touch the outcasts. We're from Judea, and we're coming and we're laying our hands on you, and we're including you in what God is doing. I think, that was, I think that's the whole point. That, that we're, we're in this together. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew from Judea. doesn't matter if you're a Jew from Jerusalem or now from Samaria. This is what God is doing and the Spirit is being received by all of us. I think that's like so cool to see that happening. And it tells you a lot about our faith. Our faith is cross-cultural. Our faith, it just breaks down dividing walls. We're not divided in any way because of what Jesus has done. And then now we move it to the next step. It's like, wow, how does it get better? But it keeps getting better because in Acts 8, 26 to 40, now we're introduced to an Ethiopian. An Ethiopian? We're just in Samaria. Ethiopian? We're like, where is Ethiopia? So follow along in your Bible or on the screen if you want. Later, God's angel spoke to Philip. 
At noon today, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Philip got up and he went. He met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem as returning to Ethiopia, where he was minister in charge of all the finances of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, climb into that chariot. Running up alongside, Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? He answered, How can I without some help? And he invited Philip into the chariot with him. The passage he was reading was this, As a sheep led to slaughter, and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial. But who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? And the eunuch said, tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or some other? Philip grabbed his chance. Using this passage as his text, he probably better, rather than preach, preach Jesus sometimes has this like, downward motion. He announced Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. As they continued down the road, they came to a stream of water, and the eunuch said, here's water, why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, and Philip baptized him on the spot. Accepted the message, baptized in the name of Jesus. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip off. And that was the last the eunuch saw him, but he didn't mind. He had what he'd come for, and he went on down the road as happy as he could be. Joyous, because he accepted the message, been baptized, and in all likelihood received the Holy Spirit. And he's on down the road to Ethiopia. Philip showed up in Azotus, continued north, preaching the message announcing the message in all the villages along that route until he arrived at Caesarea. Now, as you read that passage, if you're like me, and you, hopefully you probably aren't like me, but I just invite you into my world. There are so many things in there to stop and think about. Like Gaza, has God, is God, does Gaza ever catch our attention? Is that ever in the news? Well, yeah. Well, Gaza like has a 4,000-year history. And then Ethiopia. Ethiopia and then eunuch, and then Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. I mean, there's so much It's like, what in, what in the world? I mean, there's so much to kind of... So let me just kind of give some details that intrigued me. I hope they intrigue you. First being, like, the roads to Gaza. Here you, here you have Philip. And remember, you kind of you go back to the, the paragraph 4, and you've got Philip... He's announcing Jesus being resurrected. He's announcing the kingdom of God in a city in Samaria. People are accepting a message, being baptized, being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says the whole city is full of joy. So you've got this whole city. And the Holy Spirit says to Philip, Hey, Philip, at noon tomorrow, go down to a desolate road on, on the way to Gaza. So... Our options, back up to the map, please. There were, there were, two, ro there were two roads to Gaza. Uh, this road actually would be like 
hill country road. It's literally, I mean, it's, it's the, 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 the topography of, of, the, of our hill country is very much like the hill country in Israel. So I'm, I'm not sure this is quite, quite the desolate road. I mean, desolate, it was like maybe there's nobody out here, but this road, as you come out of Jerusalem to Hebron, from Hebron to Beersheba, you're in the Negev Desert. So now go to the next slide. See, that's a desolate road. That is a desolate road. Now what's intriguing about the Judean wilderness or the Negev is just the, the way that God kind of moved people into the desert and he met people in the desert type of thing. I mean, that's intriguing about it. But as far as like, would I want to like build a house out there? No. But probably that's, that's the kind of road. And again, just contrast it in your mind from a city full of joy and maybe like thousands of people to a road like this. And on that road, coming down that road, if you can imagine that, is this royal chariot with a black man in it. He's an Ethiopian. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says to Peter, not only did I send you out of this city buzzing with activity to this desolate road, now I want you to get on that chariot, that royal chariot carrying a representative, a minister of a queen in charge of all the finances of Ethiopia. The Ethiopia? Why in the world Ethiopia? I mean, how... Ethiopia, look, I mean, look at this map. It's a long ways from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Somebody in our first teaching time, it's 1,600 miles, takes 71 days to walk. That's a long ways. So what's the connection between Ethiopia and Israel? There's two references. This one, the Ethiopian eunuch, and then earlier in the Old Testament, Moses marries an Ethiopian and caused all kinds of troubles. And so from, just from those two biblical, there's this, this, these theories about how did Judaism get to Ethiopia? Because this Ethiopian eunuch, he's on pilgrimage to Jerusalem as a Jew, and then as he's coming back, now he's a Jew who encounters Jesus on his way back to Ethiopia. So here's some, here's some suggestions. Remember the Queen of Sheba when she visited Solomon? She was uh, Cush, one of the sons of Noah. That kind of Yemen to, down to Ethiopia. That was kind of the area of where the sons of Noah, Cush relatives, that's where they settled. So one suggestion, well, this one's favored by the Ethiopian Jews is that the Queen of Sheba and Solomon had a son. And so that son then returned to Ethiopia, and so there's this direct lineage from the Ethiopian Jew to Jews in Jerusalem. That's one suggestion. Others is that Jews fled the Babylonian exile during the destruction of the first temple. They would have traveled to Egypt, then down the Nile River, eventually settling in the hills of Gondor. Well, that sounds like that's out of a movie. <laughs> Tigray, and they remain, remained hidden for years, centuries. And then another suggestion is that Jews traveled from the Arabian Peninsula near Yemen 
to the Horn of Africa, Ethiopia, and establish new Jewish communities. And then the last suggestion is the Ethiopian Jew is the lost tribe of Dan. Nobody knows. But in it, I mean, just kind of, I think it's fascinating. How in the world? But back to the story. As this Ethiopian eunuch, traveling on pilgrimage as a Jew to Jerusalem, and now traveling back, God picks that one person. And he aligns that one person with another person, Philip, on a desolate place on a desert highway. And it just so happens as that Ethiopian is coming down the highway, he's reading from Isaiah. Now, reading from Isaiah, it's not like you went to the bookstore in Jerusalem and got a scroll. It's very unusual that he would have a scroll. It would have been not a book, it's a scroll of Isaiah. And it just so happened that on that day that he's reading, and he'd be reading in Hebrew, it's, there's not an Ethiopian version of the text. He's reading Hebrew, Isaiah, and he's reading these words. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. That moment, that place, that desolate highway, Philip, listening to the Holy Spirit, wanting to get on that chariot, he's run along beside the chariot. He hears. Do you, do you understand what you're reading? How can I understand if somebody didn't explain it? Get, come on up. To, come, can you explain this to me? Come on up here and explain this to me. And Philip gets, and he explains. He tells him. And he goes from that place in the Old Testament story and he tells him about Jesus. And he tells him enough about Jesus that the Ethiopian eunuch believes. He accepts that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament covenant. That Jesus is the king that was promised from Isaiah. He's, he's accepting all of that. And then in that story, whatever Philip said to him, it, it included, and you want to be baptized. You want to identify with Jesus through baptism. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, there's water. Now, if you looked at that road, you'd think, I didn't see much water out there. There's a couple of possibilities. One, at Beersheba, if that was the route, there's springs at Beersheba. So they could have been close to Beersheba. Hey, there's a spring... Let's do it there. Or if there's a rainy season, the wadis, kind of like the dry comal, we have the comal wadi that comes through New Braunfels. When we have a lot of rain, that thing fills up with water. Could have been the rainy season. The wadis in the desolate land could have been full. Hey, there's water. Let's be baptized there. That's a possibility. So if you're stumbling over that, that's the possibility. And then the other intriguing thing in this story is that once... The Ethiopian eunuch is baptized. And he kind of comes up out of the water. And, the, and it says, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip off. And that was the last the eunuch saw of him. Now, I've read that for years. And it's always kind of troubled me because it's always seemed a bit weird. Now, weird is not like abnormal with the Bible. The, the Bible is full of things that are abnormal. I mean, that's part of it being like a supernatural story with a supernatural God. So the weird, it's not so much the weirdness, but, but, but this connection between Philip and the Holy Spirit, this relationship that's established with the Ethiopian eunuch, and then this, this moment of baptism, 
And then all of a sudden, it's, I had this picture of like Philip, they come out, woo! It's like he's gone. Like, well, I don't know what you even, like astral trajection or what, I don't know what that's even called. <laughs> but, but I just decided to go the dumb route. And I just thought of dumb and dumber. And what I, think, what I think this means is that when the Ethiopian eunuch came up out of the water, he didn't have a big gulp. But he's up out of the water. And the Holy Spirit, at that moment, says, I've got a, the next assignment for you. And so your assignment is not to go with the Ethiopian eunuch back to Ethiopia. Your, your next assignment is Azotus. So tell the guy, see you later. Well, see you later. And you get on to Azotus, and the Ethiopian eunuch will get on down to Ethiopia. So it just, just wasn't this, these, this long follow-up. That's all it means. And so Philip goes to Azotus, which is Azod, Astod, and then he goes from there to Caesarea. And he lives for 20 years in Caesarea, has four daughters. They're all prophets, prophetesses. So that fulfills his commission. So with all of that, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. But it's wonderful stuff to think about. I just want to make some suggestions to us. You know, like what, what do we walk away with? I mean, as we read this story, what, what impacts us? I mean, when you read the Bible, it's always meant to encourage us to begin to go a different direction, to add things, to drop things, you know, to really mold us into to living a life. And so I, I think that the overarching message is that we want to be a community that responds to the promptings of the Holy Spirit even when those promptings make no sense to us. So if you, if you just look back at this story, again, it would make no sense to Philip who is seeing a whole city impacted by the Holy Spirit for that Holy Spirit to say to him, Hey, Philip, leave what's happening here with thousands of people and go to a desolate highway. And then when you get there, I'll tell you what to do. See, that, doesn't make, that does not make sense. So there was something within Philip that he valued greatly hearing and responding to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And then when he gets there... The Holy Spirit says, I want you to get in that chariot. And again, that makes no sense. This is, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like a nobody Jew. This is a royal chariot. I mean, you're asking me again to do things that are counterculture. We don't do that. I mean, that'd be like running alongside the presidential limousine, you know, and knocking on the window. What you reading? You know, <laughs> we would never, we would never do that. So it's, it's how can we as a community learn to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? And it may be his voice. It may be a picture. It may just be a sense. But that we would be a community as responsive to the Holy Spirit because what the Holy Spirit really is wanting to do is he wants to introduce people to Jesus. And it, it's interesting, in the introduction of Jesus to people, did you notice that Philip started by listening? 
He just listened. So we, we, as a, we want to be a community that's good at listening to what the people around us are saying. And then in listening, did you notice that Philip, he didn't just say, well, that, Isaiah's talking about Jesus. I mean, he, didn't, he just said, do you understand what you're reading? Great question. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, no. <laughs> How can I? I'm kind of like frustrated can you, can you help me? Do, you, do, do we see the value of listening first to what people are saying, not assuming that we know what people are thinking about Jesus? Listen. And then be, be a community that learns how to ask good questions, that brings people out to, to really be able to, to ask questions. And then we get to do our best to answer them. And then, did you notice that, that Philip, he, he knew how to direct the, the Ethiopian eunuch's attention to Jesus. And so there's a couple of things there. I, I, I want us to learn how to do that. How do we learn to direct people's attention to Jesus? And then that's connected to how, how do we explain to the people around us that Jesus completes the Old Testament. One of the things that I've noticed, one of my observations in life, is that religious people are drawn to the Old Testament. And they get stuck in the Old Testament. And they and even if, even if they belong to Jesus, like profession of faith, baptism, if they get stuck in the Old Testament, they forget that Jesus completes the Old Testament. You can't, you can't do stuff from the Old Testament in isolation from Jesus because he completes it. It makes no sense to pick something out of the Old Testament and not look for the way that Jesus fulfills it. We are a new covenant people. And we have the honor and the privilege of living under a new arrangement and inviting others out of the old and to the new. And Philip was able to do that. I want us to, how do we do that? How do we learn to do that? Because when it really comes down, I mean, I want us to be a community that invites our generation to follow Jesus through accepting his story, being baptized in his name, and receiving the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, I, think that's our, I think that's who we are supposed to be. That's, that's it. So if we could, could we just kind of like pray toward that end? That's what I'd like us to do is just invite the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to do this. So could you stand with me? Jesus, as we come to this, this time of just conversation with you, I, I just want to thank you for your story. And I want to thank you that, <laughs> that your story started a long time ago. It started before you even became a man and dwelt among us. It started at the very beginning of the revelation that we have and that we call the Bible.
It started before the Bible. And I thank you that you are the completion of everything that we hope for, dream for, long for. And I thank you that the revelation out of the Old Testament leads to this fulfillment of revelation through you. And so, Lord, as a community of people, I, I would first pray that, that you would give to us the desire to invite our generation to accept your message, to accept that you are alive, to accept that your kingdom is near, to accept forgiveness for sins that comes from your death on the cross. I pray that we would, we would invite our, our, our generation to follow that belief with baptism, to be baptized in the name of Jesus, to identify with your death and your resurrection, to become a member of this new community of people called the church. And that, Lord, we would be people that want our generation to believe, to be baptized, and to receive the Holy Spirit. That, Holy Spirit, you would be the helper of, of a generation of people so that we would live life in the way that it's best lived, empowered by you. Lord, give us that desire. Give us that desire. Let that be a desire that underrides everything that we are and everything that we do. And then, Holy Spirit, as, as we just set ourselves towards that desire, we recognize that we, we have a helper to do that and that you can give us promptings, that you can speak to us, that you can position us, that you can arrange divine appointments for us that result in us answering people's questions about faith and about Jesus. And the end result of that is that people believe, are baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you please come? Encourage us that we can hear, that we can see, that we can sense, and that where we, we, where we, we have just a lack of confidence, you want to encourage us. You're our teacher. You're our helper. So fill us with the confidence that we can respond to the promptings you give us. And I pray finally that you would send us out for divine appointments this week. I believe that our Father is drawing people to himself all around us. And I pray that we would be aligned with a person that is asking questions. That Holy Spirit, you would arrange our schedule that each of us would have the opportunity of inviting others to believe. We would be really encouraged for you to do that for us. In your name, amen. So this is what I'd like. This is kind of like the, our homework is let's go live our life today and for the rest of this week. But let's remember that we have a God that can like interrupt our schedule at any moment. 
and that he can like direct us to a desolate place on Highway 46. And there may be a person there that we get to talk to. And so if, if we could like come back next Sunday, for those that are coming back, and t- just think if one, two, 10, 20, what if all of us had a divine encounter and we could come back and say, you know, the Holy Spirit prompted me, I did this and this is what resulted. Wouldn't that be a fun Sunday to come back and share those stories? Now, don't, you know, if you come back next Sunday and we're not sharing those stories, it's not going to be a bummer Sunday. You know? But, well, let's just, let's try it. I mean, our faith doesn't work if we don't try it, right? So let's just go try it and see what happens. Okay? Deal? High five? Give your neighbor a high five. Okay, off we go. Have a great day.